You're listening to a production of Swanson Media. Hey everyone, this is Joe Swanson. Welcome back. This is season two of Sullen Radio. Please do me a favor and head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the show for this year. I appreciate the feedback and support from everyone who listens. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. I appreciated all the shares last year, and I look forward to a great second season with you guys. The show today is brought to you by Kingpin Tattoo Supply. You can check out Kingpin at kingpintattoosupply.com. For two decades, tattooers around the world have trusted Kingpin Needles. My guest today on the show has used Kingpin Needles since the beginning of his career. Here's what tattooer Big Mees has to say about Kingpin Needles. It's just I've never had a reason not to like them. I always, they always worked for me. They always did what I wanted them to do. You know what I mean? I mean, what I have works for me. You know what I mean? It works great. So, I don't, you know, if there's not a problem, you know, why fix it? Please visit kingpintattoosupply.com or call them at 888-299-5675 to make an order and enjoy the consistency of Kingpin Needles, Kingpin Tattoo Supply for the artist since 1996. The show is also brought to you by Inky's Tattoo Products. Essential oil-infused Purple Glide ointment is available today at Inky's.com. Used daily around the world by the best tattooers to ease the tattoo process for not only themselves, but for their clients also. Purple Glide will keep the skin workable longer and reduce redness and discomfort for your client. Purple Glide is just one professional choice you can get at Inky's.com. Get some today and remember to use the promo code Sullen Radio to get a free sample pack of Inkies products with your next order. Numb, heal, and protect with Inkies. Welcome back, everybody. Happy New Year. I hope everyone is doing well. This is season two of Sullen Radio. I'm going to be bringing you guys some more great guests this year and some cool special feature guests as well. I'm very excited to release this first episode to you guys uh, with one of the most popular guests from last year, artist Big Mees out of Dayton, Ohio. Great lettering artist, wonderful tattooer. We had a great talk about being an artist, his current year and what's coming up for him and the current state of tattooing. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. This is Sullen Radio. I'm Joe Swanson, and this is my talk with tattooer Big Mees. This is Sullen Radio with Joe Swanson, the premier art-driven podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Joe Swanson. Welcome back to uh, another episode of Sullen Radio. I'm super excited to um, welcome back one of the favorites from last season, uh, a guy who's... um, episode was super fun for me to have and release big me's how's it going man it's going great man thanks for having me again i really appreciate it yeah no problem dude it's it's uh exciting for me to kind of see um you know your progress and and something that i'm kind of seeing as i'm sitting back you know talking about it a little bit before we jumped on here um about where your career has gone from when we first spoke last year to where it is now and kind of the direction and i see guys like yourself taking artists like yourself and going international, you know, back when we first talked, you know, you were doing, man, dude, how many shows was it a year? Like mostly in the U S and then hitting some of the big international shows. But, um, you know, you're, you're talking about this year kind of hitting way less shows here in the U S and just kind of diving into that international scene. And I see, man, 
lot of lot of guys at your level are are doing that and it's it's exciting to me to see that yeah it's it's crazy man um i was doing 45 shows a year for the last few years in a row um i did all my shows with eternal so um it cut out the middleman from like doing all the paperwork and all that stuff. And for, you know, I didn't have to set all that up myself. They pretty much handled all of that. So, I mean, really all I had to do was book a flight and go there. So that allowed me to literally work a show every single weekend in another spot in the United States. I mean, I did, I did probably 30 or 35 in the States. And then I did 10 or maybe, you know, 12, uh, international shows. Man, that's a heavy schedule, dude. But you had it down, like, you know, you had it down. Yeah, it's crazy. But see, I, yeah, and I come, I come home every single week for the most part. Like, I would fly out on Thursday, come back on Monday. I'd be home Tuesday and Wednesday, and they, you know, I would either work at the shop or, you know, sometimes I would need time to catch up on like my stuff around the house or you know whatever I was doing. So, um, I was home almost every Tuesday and Wednesday uh, for the most part. So, how, how big is a lot that? Of fun how big is that schedule going to change now that you're taking things kind of international and, you know, not just going to be hitting those main, you know, the London show and, and shows like that, but really kind of trying to find, you know, little shows that you can go to and really explore. Right. Yeah, man. Um, I'm honestly shooting for about 20 shows this year total. Uh, maybe five of them will be in the States. Like I'm going to do, uh, I just did DC. I just got home from DC yesterday. Um, and that went really well. Uh, I'm going to do Philly and I'm doing this golden state show in California next week. Um, and then, you know, I'll do one or two, maybe three more in the States this year. Um, other than that, like I'd like to do the Bay area show again, because I think that is probably my favorite show in the United States to do. Um, why is that? We do that show. Cause that's a good one, man. Uh, I, I've just, it's small. It's small compared to, you know, like Philly and places like that. But uh, it's every single guy in there is someone that I look up to. You know what I mean? Right. It's not not saying that, that there's not that at other shows. I'm saying that the Bay Area show is, um, it's definitely kept to like the dudes that I think are the elite in tattooing. You know what I mean? Not all of the guys, but a good portion of them. Yeah, you know, so it's just every single booth has someone in it that you're like, oh my god, that's that dude, or oh my god, it's right. that dude. Like, I don't need, I only slide in there because I slide in with Eternal. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, like, so that's that's my way in. But it's it's crazy. I mean, you got Seth, you know, Seth is there, and and Ruben Doll, and and you know, BJ Betts, and like everybody. Is All there. the guys, yeah, I man. Really I I love it. All the guys from Smith Street are usually there. You know, I'm right. blowing up. Grimey's there. Yep. You know what I mean? like, Temple, like Freddie, and all those boys. Still catch grimy. Yeah. yeah. It's the only show you can catch grimy at these <laughs> days. You know what I mean? It's like stand there 10 feet from watching tattoos. Yeah. For me, that's like, I'm like a little schoolgirl. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's dope, man. Walking around that, you know, I've attended that show. I went to a, a, a Chris Khan um, seminar at that show one year, uh, a figure drawing seminar he put on, which you know, at that time was, you know, man, he was just coming, kind of coming back out of, um, not tattooing, you know, for a long time. I think he had maybe done those 10 tattoos or something that he did on eBay a few years back to raise some money. And, um, so it was exciting to, to be in that, uh, moment where Chris Khan was now back kind of in tattooing. And I think that's, what's 
cool about that show is Taki's always kind of trying to push the limits with whether it's a lecture from Ed Hardy or it's a, um, yeah, you know, something's going on that's, that's at the forefront and, and pushing tattooing, you know? So I think that's right, what makes right. that. And thing. it's not, it's not, it's not, you won't see any of the commercial side of tattooing in there. It's like your everyday hardworking, you know, kind of like tattoo myths, like guys that like you hear them working all the time, but you know, you rarely ever see them or, or know it. You know what I mean? Then that's, that's the way it is. You don't go in there and see like, many big like i i think lucky's is the only supply company that shows up and they just have like a tiny little stand you know what i mean like yeah. it's not there's not like five supply companies there and like all this stuff you know i mean it's really kept to like real tattooing you know what i mean by real tattooers you know yeah it, it's it's one of those elite shows man for sure um yeah and- another one that is it i think has the same style of the bay area show which i haven't done it yet but i will be there this year is uh the pagoda city in uh pennsylvania show yeah um it is it's small and from what i can tell it's it's uh it's a lot of the same guys and, and um, i talked with them about coming out this year so i think i will be there if all goes goes well with that yeah, that that is another show that uh, you know I've just uh, I've never been to that show. It looks like one of those shows that's just like yeah, heavy hitters. It's and I apologize, right. I, I can't remember the name of the guy who um, really good Justin tattoo. Weatherholt. Yes, yes, Justin uh, Weatherholtz yep. out in New York City puts yep. that on, and and you know obviously right. he's he's bringing in his his friends and and they're supporting him, and it's awesome to see that that you know you have all those. <sighs> you know, world famous heavy hitter guys under one yeah. roof. Uh, it's, it's an amazing opportunity to see the best tattooing around, you know, that's going on around the world. Right, man. Yeah. It's like the, it's like guys that are, I always tell people there's like different, there's different levels of like tattooers in the world. Like you'll see somebody like say such as myself, like I have X amount of followers on Instagram. I have like a, a decent amount of hype around me, but a guy that I would look up to and think is the best in the world has half the amount of followers as me. So but he's famous to like people who are in the industry and people that really know, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a whole different realm of tattooers. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the average person at their house may not know of, of Ruben doll or grimy, but in the tattoo world, those guys are like the fucking top tier tattooers. You know what I mean? And those are the guys that come out to those shows. And, you know, I don't, I've never really rolled with that squad, but I mean, honestly, I'd really like to, you know what I mean? I'd like to be respected by those guys and, and hopefully one day, be able to follow in those guys footsteps you know well man i think i think you're off to a great start you know it's the kind of tattooing that you're doing is you know it's it it has those traditions and and those same elements that make really good japanese work good japanese work really good americana style work um, why it works you know you have those elements in your lettering man and it's it's cool to see that you you know, when we first talked on the first show, uh, how you kind of developed that and you looked at some stuff from the West Coast that you really liked and you looked at some stuff from the East Coast that you really liked and kind of threw in your own kind of shit and developed this style of this heavy hitting lettering that's going to smack you in the face. And I love that, man. It's it's really illustrative. And I've always been a big, uh, a, a big, uh, a big fan of that. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yep. I'm scared that people see it that way. I mean, that's what I—that's what I ultimately aim for, you know. 
trying to get to that that level of perfection with those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you doing uh, still a lot of freehand stuff these days, or what's um what's kind of what's uh, inspiring to you these days? Man, you know, I felt like my tattooing was. I had a few breakdowns, man, where I was really struggling. Like, I kind of lost a sense of direction of where. Like, I always, from the beginning, had an idea in my head of where my tattoos would go and what they looked like. I kind of hit all those things. Not, not like my my level of tattooing, but you know, the style I was aiming for. I always had something that in mind would be the next step and. I kind of ran out of ideas, man, and it was like, I was really met a little while. Um, I took a couple of weeks off of work, man, locked myself in my art room and, and sat there and just, like, originally, like, made myself draw. I was I was really kind of burnt out and struggling with it, coming up with anything new. I felt like I was rehashing the same tattoo over and over again. Um, I came out of that, man, and, and kind of decided I was going to slow myself down and start making stencils for everything, man. Hmm. So I have started stenciling. Uh, probably 90% of my tattoos now um, just because I think that in order to make them more correct uh, that was that's the route to go I I don't have anything against drawing stuff on sometimes there you know I tattoo places where they're there you just can't stencil it you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I tattooed a guy's the top of his head the other day we tried to make a stencil and I literally couldn't get the stencil to lay on so it was like I had to draw it on um, but uh you know, I think in, for me in my career where I'm at now, my next step is, is just trying to make stuff more correct. And I noticed when I was drawing stuff on all the time, man, I would pretty much draw it on, and then that was the tattoo. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't sketch ideas or anything. It was literally whatever I drew first was what I tattooed. I didn't really even catch on that that's what I was doing. You know, it's just like I drew it on, and then I went with it. And, um since I started doing stencils, man, sometimes I'll draw stuff three, four, or five times uh, on paper before I make the stencil, and I think that it's allowing me to, uh, it changes things, but I think that in the end it's more correct. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I'm a, I, I like both. You know, I, I do think that there is place for both, and you have to find that that balance as an artist, you know. Um, at this moment, you're looking for that that like you call it the correctness or um, yeah. more perfection in, in the piece. Whereas I can appreciate that kind of flow of freehand where it, it kind of just organically certain things kind of come together or, you know, you may change something on the fly that, that you see as an artist or as, you know, something that you wanted to, you know, that you just end up doing because you have the freedom of no, I, my, freehand. Yeah, I think most of my most of my tattooing was done that way, and I do get scared to lose that. I never want to lose that, like, that part of it. it it's like a, there's, a, there's got to be a, a, a middle ground there somewhere, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think my level of what I see as a, as a good tattoo has gone up, so I look at some of the stuff I've done, you know, that I thought was, like, correct, and I look at it and I see things that I wouldn't want nowadays, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, the things that, you know, maybe your average person wouldn't even notice, you know what I mean? But I think that my understanding of what is right is changing. And I think that I got to adapt to that. Uh, you know, it's like, even when you draw stuff on, you know, I would usually use like a few different colors of markers and build it up on your final outline, you know, say I'm outlining with a, with a single or a tight three, 
Well, just within the width of that marker line, you have room for error. You know what I mean? And that's noticeable within, you know, if you're doing a, a bunch of, you know, vertical lines next to each other, you know, that 16th of an inch or whatever it is, either side of that is going to make one letter bigger than the next one. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking like a, like serious precision, but, I mean, I want, it, I want it to be there. You know what I mean? So, if I have to try to stencil and then draw half of it on, you know what I mean? Like work around that. Um, a lot of times I'll take and I'll shave the person up and alcohol them down, say I'm doing their stomach. And then I'll mark with a red marker on their actual skin, the area that I'm using onto a, and then I'll take a piece of tracing paper and put over that and then just follow those marks on the tracing paper. So then when I pick the tracing paper up, it has their belly button on the tracing paper and also the perimeter that I'm going to use. So then when I lay down to draw it, I still have all that like stuff that yeah. I could use that would be organic. You know what I mean? Totally, man. It's, it's finding those little tricks of, of being able to, you know, I've seen guys use, you know, Saran wrap and, and, you know, so that there's contours and then you can really get into outlining where you need to be on the body if you're dealing with other tattoos around it or, or whatever the case may be. But um, right. so with this idea that moving towards correctness with your tattoos, is that something that came during that few weeks of kind of locking yourself away? Or was it something that even prior to that, forcing yourself to kind of look back at, you know, reevaluate your art, were you thinking about? I think it like, it was something that I just wasn't aware of. You know what I mean? Like that. Like I said, your level of what you understand as a good tattoo changes over time, you know what I mean? And and what was acceptable last year to me isn't acceptable now, you know what right. I mean? So when I was putting myself away, and, man, I was texting a few of my friends, like Kiki and stuff, and I was, like, having meltdowns, man. I'm going, like, dude, like, I can't fall off already. Like, I'm not ready to fall off. Like, I can't, I just can't draw. I can't fucking do it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying, but it's, like, nothing's coming out, you know? And I'm like, ah, oh, what do I do? And, uh... I did break through it finally, but I don't think it was like working through it that did it for me. I think I just had to kind of step away, man. You know what I mean? I had to step away and I think I did a couple paintings of like other stuff. Like I did like a realistic rose and I did like some things I don't normally do. And then I think that helped me bounce back into being excited again. But, um, I'm, I'm on fire right now, man. I mean, I, I have so many ideas again. It's like, <laughs> it's like a whole new world for me, man. <laughs> well, that's interesting that you had to like, kind of pull yourself aside from the lettering stuff uh, and and work on some other type of of art project, you know, a, a realistic rose. And I actually saw that happening. I think you've posted a few of these things on Instagram, man. And, and I yeah. wanted to even talk to you about that because I saw that happening on your Instagram where for a long time it's um, solid lettering, you know, and, and very... Yeah. Um, branded with what you were doing and, and, um, amazing. And I started seeing a, a few new things kind of trickling in and it was, it was interesting to me because beforehand, man, the last, other than lettering, I think you've posted, a, a, you know, a handful of roses and, and some things, but, um, it's cool to hear the story of why those things were kind of popping up, you know, because you were kind of fighting through, um, this, and as artists, we I think yeah, we've all had flat line, you know? yeah this flat line yeah. in our in our art. So I I get it, man. And um, that's really it's cool to see that you've that you were able to kind of break through that. And um, what do you think was the was the key thing about getting away from 
maybe the lettering into a different type of project that, that helped you kind of push through that barrier? Uh, man, you know, it's, it's hard for me to put that into words. I don't, I really don't know, man. I just, I kind of suck at that other stuff. You know what I mean? Like, cause I don't really have a, I don't really have a passion for it, man. I don't, I don't really enjoy doing it. You know what I mean? And that could be cause I suck at it. I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like lettering comes more natural for me, I guess, or I've been working on it for so long. It's like, it, you know, like I could draw a lettering, something to do with like lettering or something like that. And it'll turn out, you know, people will be like, Ooh, wow, that's sweet. You know what I mean? It's like, I do a rose girl. Like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? So maybe that's why I continue to do the lettering. I don't know. But I, uh, I just, I just, I didn't want to stop working, but I didn't want to do, but I didn't want to continue to draw or fight drawing the same things I've been drawing for a couple of years. So I think that I just needed to, you know, and it's all inclusive, man. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to, it's going to help you out in the end, you know what I mean? Whether it's just like your, your, your blends or your, you know, whatever it is, you know what I mean? I tattooed a couple of roses too, and I haven't posted them, which I probably will. I wanted to get some field photos of them. Uh, that's something that I, I'm interested in doing. I, I kind of enjoy the roses a little bit. Um, I want to keep working on them and see what I can develop with that. Mm. You know what I mean? Do you like doing them more realistic or, or with a bit of a, a, a new school flair? Or how do you like, uh, how do you like tattooing? I like them? doing them. I like just like a black and gray, more like semi-realistic, you know, like I don't want to copy the rose. I like to draw it, but try to draw it. It's kind of stylized or drawn, but then tattooed semi-realistic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I did the, I did the roses like non-linear and then I did like hard outline, uh, leaves on it and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's cool. I like that shit. I like to use a lot of heavy black. So it's like the leaves were solid black, you know what I mean? And things like that. Man, there is something about just black and skin, you know, and and shades of black that that is so appealing, man. It's uh, I mean, I love color, dude. If you look at my tattoos, you're going to like I try to sneak in those black work tattoos like as much as I can um, because I love it, man. Or tribal. I, I fucking love doing tribal, you know, just because I right. it's big and it's heavy and you can make it flow right. And um Right. You know, so I love all that new stuff the that people are doing with, you know, mandalas and, and really getting intricate. But um, having these fields of really big black uh, is is so nice, man. It's it's uh, and it's kind of been done throughout history, too. You know, the Japanese did that. They would have wind bars that oh, were like, yeah. you know, four fucking inches, like uh, just hey. solid black. Well, I mean, in the end, it's that contrast is what makes the tattoo. You know, what I mean, yeah. if you do like four inches solid black, then when you next to that is your skin tone, it's going to look white. You know what I mean? Yep. Like that contrast is going to make that skin tone look bright. You know what I mean? Like it's not even going to look like it's the color of the rest of the skin just because that contrast is there. Yeah, yeah, it's powerful stuff, man. It's it's really it's really yep. cool. You know. Um, <laughs> Scoping out your Instagram too, man. I see your uh, you've been riding. What kind of motorcycle is this, dude? It's like a motocross or enduro type. Uh, yeah, bike. it's a it's a motocross bike. Yeah, it's a motocross bike. It's a, a KTM three hundred XCW. It's um, and oh man, I am engulfed in it. <laughs> <laughs> if only I could, if only I could make money doing that, I'd be I'd be a rich man. You know. Um, you know, I told you in the last podcast we had a race BMX for a bunch of years and, yeah. um, and all that. Um, I stopped riding for a long time. You know, I got I got real heavy and stuff and blah, blah. I lost the weight. Um, 
and I started, you know, I on a whim I bought a, a motocross bike and um, went and went rode by myself a couple times, and then I ended up reconnecting with one of my old friends that I raced BMX with, and he has been racing enduros like like dirt bike enduros and yeah. uh he's like hey we got this private club down here in dayton you know he's like it's 40 acres it's like gated off you know you become a member you can come down and ride you ride every single wednesday and then sometimes one of the days on the weekend and he's like you should come down and i have i ended up having like four or five old friends that ride down there um so man i got down there and it is just eating me alive <laughs> i uh i couldn't get enough of it man sometimes I, if i'm home i'm riding three four times a week uh and I think that helps get me away from tattooing as well, man. It's like when you're when you're on a dirt bike and you're riding like we do. I mean, we're riding. Our average pace is like 25, 30 miles per hour through the woods, and you're talking. You're going between trees that are that are one to two inches bigger than your handlebars. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, and it's it's you don't have time to think about your tattooing career when you're doing that. You know what I mean? You literally right. only thing you can think about is there. It's like a it's like an amazing escape, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's important, man. And so then when I go back to tattooing, it's like, it's like, you know, my mind was off of it for a while, and then now I'm more fresh and excited to do it. Man, I I absolutely agree, and I think you know I was just talking to my wife about this very subject this week, you know, talking about how when you're riding a motorcycle, it's most of the time when you're first riding or when you're riding in that type of situation, you are 100% in the moment. Like you have to be, you know, yeah. eyes up ahead of you right there. Right. And you can't think about, you know, that grocery list or this, this or that. And I think it's why people right. love, love doing that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've, I've said before, it's why I like working out with, particular styles of working out, you know, CrossFit or jujitsu, uh, that kind of stuff right. keeps you mentally no, no active. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I got into it, man. And I rode for, for maybe like a month at the club. And then, uh, I was like, fuck it, man. I'll, I'll jump in. I went and rode, raced my first enduro. It's like 120 miles and like a five hour race to the woods. It's like an what? endurance race, you know? And, uh, yeah. I did it, you know, and, and most of the time it's a big deal for guys to finish that race. You know what I mean? And, um, most guys, most people, not most people don't, but a, a large number of, of the beginning riders don't finish the race and, uh, finished my first one. And it was actually like a really tough one and, uh, finished the first one. Honestly, I came, I came, you don't know when the, when the finish line is, you kind of just get there. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, I came around the corner and the finish line was there and I was going, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, damn, you were having a blast. Yeah, I was trying to maintain my endurance because I was expecting so much more because the way people talked about it, you know what I mean? But then came around the corner of the finish line was there. I was like, well, fuck, I'm going to road harder because I was trying to maintain my energy level for a longer race, you know what I mean? So I've done two. I've done two now. I raced another one and I placed really, really low in my, in my, in my class of riders out of like, I don't know. I don't know. It was a bunch of riders and I finished really low in in it and, uh, yeah, this year I'm doing the entire series, man. I'm gonna race like twelve races all up and down the Midwest, and uh, I made up with it. I love it. I was just working on my dirt bike before I called you. <laughs> before you called me, man, that's cool. And so during that first race, man, talk about that because you know you're talking about. I'm sure there was a a lot of prep that you did mentally and physically to get ready for that race. I mean, it's got to be like you said, physically demanding. Yeah, I mean, I did, dude. I, I, uh, 
you know, I, I like carb loaded the week before I started eating pastas and stuff, <laughs> trying to, you know, like carb load, which I don't even know if that's a real thing, but I was giving it a shot. And plus it was the excuse to eat pasta. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I was doing that and then I like got a huge night's sleep and I spent all week working on my bike. And I was really, I mean, I can remember on the drive to the race cause it was like two hours away. I mean, I was shaking. I was nervous. I had anxiety. I was like, I mean, I was, I was a mess. You know, like I had to pee, even though I just peed. You know yeah. what I mean? I couldn't yeah. take it. No. What was your what? What, what were you it, worried? What were you like anxious about? Just the you wanted it to get started, or you were anxious about a particular? I had no, I had no idea what to expect. You know what I mean? I've never raced one, and this isn't the kind of race that spectators watch. It's uh, we leave the starting line. There's a few hundred people there watching, and you see them again when you get to the when you get to the end. You know what I mean? And you're right. in the woods for for five hours by yourself. You know what I mean? You pop out every once in a while onto like a street and you can, and there'll be like a, your fuel truck will be there and you'll get fuel and stuff. And then you go right back in the woods. So you really don't, I had no idea what to expect, man. You know what did I mean? You, did you so have a GPS or how, how is it? No, uh, all the trails. So basically it's, it's all considered single track. So it's one, one, only like your wheels will fit on it. It's not any wider than that. Like I said, we're going through sections where your handlebars don't even fit between the trees and you literally have to, to ride a wheelie and turn your handlebars to squeeze between the trees. You know what I mean? And uh, they're all just marked by an arrow. There'll be an arrow, like a little piece of paper with an arrow on it every once in a while on the tree. But so you just have to watch those and you totally can come off, off the trail and get lost. And it happens. You know what I mean? Like you'll realize that you're kind of riding through something that hasn't been written on, even though you know that there's a hundred bikes left for you. So you can kind of, you'll have to backtrack and stuff, you know what I mean? And get back on the, on the trail. But yeah, I was just nervous because I didn't know what to expect. You know what I mean? I was going into this race that, like, I mean, I've only been riding a dirt bike for six months. But I wouldn't even I mean, I was riding it for, like, a month before I did that first race. So I just had no idea what to expect, you know? Just and, jumping uh, in both feet, huh? <laughs> right. I just, man, you know, I just, I pick it up pretty quick from all the years of, of bicycle riding. You sure. Know I mean, I, I'm, you know, so, but, man, it's so, it's so rad. And this last one I just did. It's in Greenville, Ohio, and I know that, like, this Enduro's been going on for 35 years, you know what I mean? Every year they do it, you know what I mean? And it's known for having one river crossing that's always real gnarly, you know what I mean? Because you'll cross rivers and shit, and when you come up to it, you don't know how deep it is, you know what I mean? And there'll be different lines across that'll be better than other lines, you know what I mean? And um, about, like, a mile into the woods, uh, the very first mile of the race, um, I was the first one. So bikes go, like, there's four or five bikes to every row and they leave one minute apart. So, you know, you line up on the line. I was in row 30 and, uh, I was the first guy into the first turn. So all the rest of the bikes were behind me about a mile into the woods. I come to this river crossing and I'm not shitting you when I tell you there's 200 people standing along the side of this river and everyone's <laughs> standing there like yelling, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, so, and I didn't see any of the bikes, the bikes before me left a minute before me. So I didn't see where to cross this river at. Right. So, the smart thing I should have done was I should have waited and let the bikes go around me, let one or two bikes go around me and then follow them through. Um, I didn't, I just dove in. I made it like three quarters of the way across the river. And then right as my front wheel should have been coming out of the river. I mean, my bike completely sunk. I mean, oh. like I went over the handlebars, landed on the bank on the other side and it was so muddy from all the other bikes coming through. I slid back down into the water and I was basically swimming in the water, you know, a mile into a, a uh, 120 mile race you know what i mean so i'm already soaking wet my bike's covered in mud like goggles everything's muddy 
I had like a guy on the bank, like helping me drag my bike out of the ri- out of the river. You know what I mean? Luckily, it didn't hurt the bike. And I literally had to stand off to the side, get my shit together, start the bike, try to, you know, my gloves are dripping with mud and shit, and then just take off. And I can remember my thoughts being like, okay, so now I have 120 more miles to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's how it started. <laughs> At least you got the bullshit out of the way in the beginning, right? Right. But I tell you, every time I came up to a river crossing after that, it was like, fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it, the main thing was, is it's like, at our club, we have some guys, and I don't want to talk about this forever. I mean, I could literally go on here, this whole this whole talk about this dirt bike. But we have guys at our club who have been riding enduros for 30 years. You know, they're like in their 60s and 70s. They have really good knowledge. You know what I mean? And I told what talked to one of them after the race, and he's like, "Well, he's like, here's what you do. He's like, where all the people are standing, that's where you ride, because I guarantee they're standing on the hard ground. You know what I mean? He's like, you ride straight at them, and he's like, don't move." You know what I mean? He's like, but that's how you find the ground. And I'm like, fuck, that's smart, you know? Do you think that's the craziest shit that's happened to you in, in the, up to now, the races that you've done? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, dude, the whole crowd, like, I remember everyone going, ah, like, losing their minds, like, laughing and shit, you know what I mean? I'm Holy going, really? Shit. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. And I know somewhere there's footage of it, you know what I mean? There's got to be, <laughs> but I, I haven't seen it yet. But, uh, wow. I mean, I was soaking, I was just soaking wet, man. I mean, it's like, and I, you know, you get back on the bike, all these other bikes are flying past you and you're going, fuck, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I was feeling good too. Like that first mile, I mean, I was smooth. I was feeling good, like super excited. And then it was like an instant reset button. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh man. Isn't that like life sometimes, man? It'll just kick your fucking ass, you know? And, and you gotta, and you gotta just jump back on that bike, wipe the fucking mud off your goggles and go you know maybe you can't yeah, then like your your goggles your goggles that you ride with they have like a little pull string on the side and you pull it and it'll clear yes. off it's like a strip you know yep. and i pulled it and it was the last pull of the strip so it was like and then like i had no more extra of that oh and my. i didn't real i didn't ever replace it before i started like oh, okay cool <laughs> oh shit how, how much is that yeah. a lesson in preparation right i mean shit that's like anything oh, whether I, it's tattooing never... or whether it's motorcycle riding like you only had one more strip oh, on that it, thing, it, you know? It goes in, it goes hand in hand with tattooing, man. I think that a big thing with tattooing is slowing yourself down and uh, mm-hmm. slowing yourself down, like not worrying about being the first guy to finish the race, but being consistent and finishing the race. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I learned to, you know, if I would have waited 30 seconds to let a guy behind me cross that river first, I would have seen where to cross. If he would have went under, then I would have known not to go there. The same goes with like big hill climbs. I mean, we'll climb hills, dude. I'm telling you, they're they're almost vertical. You know what I mean? And and uh, like you fall if you're if you fall over on your bike, like the bike's sliding back down. You're just trying to grab trees to not slide back down yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of times you'll you'll come up to these hills and you'll see like ten guys laying on their sides scattered all over the hill. Well, you're better off to wait, let one guy go up the hill, and then follow that dude up the hill. You know what I mean? So same thing with tattooing, man. I think you're better off just like taking a step back sometimes and slowing yourself down and being more patient about it. And in the end, you'll get like a more consistent and solid result. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, dude, it's kind of like what, uh, last in last season of Solon radio on the, one of the last shows I had Jess Yen on, and he was talking about, man, something that really kind of resonated with me. And that was the, what he said is you have to give up something to get what you want, you know, and this, uh, idea of the free let's say in your case the idea of having the freedom of freehanding letters on and and having that 
ability to just kind of let the thing go where it needs to go. Um, in, in contrast to really getting, uh, things nailed down on a, on a stencil, it may be nice to have the, the freedom of it, but what you're trying to accomplish is going to be better accomplished by taking that freedom, a little bit of that freedom out of it. And in the actual tattoo portion of the, of the piece of art, you know? Um, right. No, that's, that's definitely true. It's, it's, uh, I used to just be able to walk down there, pull out my five markers, shave them down, alcohol them up, and then start drawing and then tattoo, you know, where it's like now I'm giving that up. I'm getting paid the same amount of money, but I'm giving up that part of it to sit down and draw and plan and stuff. But in the end, you know, that, that'll all come back tenfold uh, when you, when your, your level of work and your level of excellence shows it. You know. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Remember to check out Kingpin Tattoo Supply for your next needle order. Consistent, hand-built needles used by some of the best artists working today. Check out a wide selection of needles available through Kingpin and make your order at kingpintattoosupply.com or by calling Kingpin at 1-888-299-5675. Kingpin Tattoo Supply for the artists since 1996. Now, here's the rest of my talk with artist Big Mees. I hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks for listening, everybody. I think you're you're exactly right. And I think you're just exploring another part of your of your skill set as a tattooer, you know, and, and like one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot, you know, I've been taking a lot more time off of tattooing to work on the podcast and and um, spend time with family. And, you know, for me, what I love about tattooing, I love, I've always been a street shop guy. So I love that kind of organic kind of back and forth with the client, having to kind of put, be put on the spot to draw something up, uh, maybe sell something in the tattoo. And what I kind of like want to create for my tattooing for me personally this year is a situation where, you know, on a Saturday I can go in and, um, I may know kind of what I'm going to tattoo. It's all going to be in the style that I want to tattoo it in. Um, and I can have that kind of street shop collaboration with the client. You know, I get that. It's a fun environment, and it, and it turns into an art piece that I'm going to be happy with and that the client's going to be happy with, and that they also had a great time doing it. I think that experience is something that is so important in tattooing. And... Um, Ultimately, it's it's, uh, you know, what you're giving that client too that you're talking about, you know, being more specific and more controlled with your tattooing, you're giving them a different experience. And, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to see you kind of working through that. Yeah, man, I, I, I won't, I can't charge, you know, I'm not a cheap tattooer, man, I, I charge a good amount, you know, and, uh, I feel fine charging that as long as I feel like I really tried and put my 110% into mm-hmm. it, you know. Uh, I have no problem charging that. It's worth it because I will go the extra step that a lot of guys won't, you know what I mean? Right. And I will make sure that that tattoo turns out good, and I'll make sure that I plan the things that need to be planned out ahead of time. Like, you know, a lot of guys, guys don't plan for the fact that, like, oh, I can make my tattoos twice as technical as they are, but how are they going to look when they feel? All your lines that are threes aren't going to be tight threes in a few years. Right. You know what I mean? That stuff has to be thought of ahead of time, you know? And, right. Uh, well, ultimately the I end product. I feel fine charging what I charge because of that, you know, and giving them that, that like 
that ability to come to me and get tattooed and know that what they get is going to be something that will last for them and they're going to be happy with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the biggest thing that's changing in tattooing is right now? The biggest what? What do you think the biggest change that's happening in tattooing? You know, we've seen like over the last few years, you know, things have just kind of exploded with um, conventions and, and promotions and just the internet. I mean, Instagram's taken over. Um, you yeah. know, what's the, what do you see is the biggest change with, as you're out there about, you know, at, at uh, right. a lot of conventions mm-hmm. each year, what's changing? Um, I'll tell you something I've heard from 85% of the guys that I'm surrounded with is that most people are going to stop traveling as much. Um, hmm. I think that the convention scene is going to change dramatically real soon. Um, a lot of these, these convention guys that are pulling in the big dough, I think it's going to be a hard hit for them. You know what I mean? Like the, the promoters and stuff that are doing them. Um, I think a lot of your big, bigger names are going to stop, stop traveling as much. Um, it's uh, it, the traveling is great, getting to see everything and do all that. But once you've seen it and done it, and you come home, uh, you realize that you haven't been taking care of a local clientele at all either. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So um, that has to be taken care of as well. You know, what I mean, people just will stop. You know, like your local. Like I don't remember last time I tattooed somebody from my town. You know what I mean? Like I tattoo people here, but everyone that I tattoo here comes from out of the state. You know what I mean? Right. Um. I would like to have a local clientele as well. You know what I mean? So I don't know. That's the biggest thing I've seen changing, man, is like two years ago, everyone was like, oh, man, I'm going to do a bazillion conventions. And this year I've heard, at the end of last year, I started hearing everyone that I've traveled with telling me, man, I'm, I just can't do it anymore. Like, it's it's time to, to chill out. You know what I mean? So maybe that means there'll be a new era of names out there. I don't know. But I can tell you that it's, it's definitely starting to, a lot of the guys that were on the road constantly are going to stop doing that as much, you know, me included, you know, like I said, I'm going to do 20, maybe 25, but it sounds like a lot, but that's half of what I normally do. You know, I think you're going to see a lot of those guys that are making their living traveling. I mean, that's their, that's what they do. I think, yeah, you might see them settle down, but they're going to have to be settling down in, in places that can, that can provide the amount of clientele or, that like a guy like Jacob Doney has talked about moving to a place that's like closer access to a major airport where the people coming to travel to him, you know, have ease of being able to fly into LAX, jump in an Uber, come and get, you know, get tattooed and, and turn around and go back, you know? So I think they're going to be more, people are going to have to be more specific with where they're, settling down as tattooers if they're going to try to build that that's absolutely that's true man that's something that that's something i fight with myself uh on a weekly basis man i mean i live in the middle of nowhere you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and when someone comes to fly here you know i don't do many multiple session tattoos you know what i mean i i have to have a large number of clientele i have to have a large supply whereas a lot of guys can maintain a tattoo um booking with 20 clients you know what i mean um i have to have a new person every single day i rarely tattoo the same person multiple times you know what i mean um it's it's tough man i mean a lot of people will see me on the road and they'll be like they'll be like oh i want to come to date and get tattooed man i just know your book for like a year and a half and i'm like dude i can tattoo tomorrow you know what i mean like 
I can go to Japan and be booked for a month. You know what I mean? I can go to anywhere in the world I want to go and be booked. But hometown, I, I struggle, man. It's, it's not that I struggle financially or anything like that. But I, I don't get as many people here to mm-hmm. stay as busy as I would think. You know what I mean? The, the thing is about that is it's like it's cheap to live here. You know what I mean? It's right. really cheap to live here. So I think it all depends on, in the end, what you want out of your life. You know, it's like you could retire in Dayton, Ohio, and live here for next to nothing. You know what I mean? Like you could probably live comfortably here for 15000 a year as long as, like, your shit's paid for. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's, been, it's just cheap here, man. Like you can buy 10 acres with a house and a barn and shit for, like, $150,000. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, your property taxes are going to be like $1,500 a year. You know, it's like nothing, man. So um, I think it all depends on what you want in the end, you know. I, I, I struggle with that all the time, man. I know if I moved to L.A. or New York or somewhere like that, I would be I would be slammed. Um, and I think about it all the time. But, uh, you know, you're going to be trading more problems and more stress for more money. You know what I mean? I, I don't know necessarily what's better. You know, I mean, I... It's very simple here. Like, my house I bought, you know, I own a couple houses, but, like, they were really cheap. I bought them at, for, like, you know, auctions and shit like that. Right. And, and I just fix, fixed them up myself, you know. But every, I don't owe money to anyone for anything, you know what I mean? And uh, it's not because I make a ton of money. It's just it's really cheap to live here. So I could go buy a house in L.A. or, or New York and, and, you know, I don't know what it costs, what, 200 250 for, like, a starter house somewhere out there, you know what I mean? Man, if you're in the outskirts, <laughs> maybe, and it'll be like, a shithole. If you're way out there. Yeah. Right. So, you know, if you want to live in the kind of house that I need, I need, like, a pole barn and shit. I have, like, multiple cars and stuff. Right. Um, well, it is one thing about the – and it's, it's one thing about the Midwest where, you know, I, I see a lot of great tattooing coming out of – I mean, in particular, Ohio, man. It's, it's people – like you said – you have access to go anywhere you want. I mean, as long as you live close to right. an airport, you can jump on an airplane and go be in, L- in L.A. and be booked out right. for a week or whatever, like you said. Right. And, and then go I right, back to, taking, right back to yeah. Ohio. I and with the idea of taking, uh, a, uh, working a job like one week a month in one of those places. You know what I mean? Like go up and work in New York for a week a month or go out to yeah. L.A. and work for one week. I mean, I could literally live like a fucking boss out here if I went out and tattooed for one week. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing you know I, I mean? think I think that um, that guys are going to be doing. I mean, they, they may... You, you have to kind of make a... There's so many different lanes, man. That's the thing. I mean, it's it's hard to even put it into words, but like you can... You can be in Ohio and yeah, you can go book one week out in New York. Either set yourself up with a, a one-week little studio that's just a pop-up which, right. you know, you've seen shops, you know, uh, what's that um, saying? Blue in London did that in L.A. like maybe a year ago or something. Right. And, um, yep. Yep. Had different guests coming in. So you do a little pop up or you find a shop that is one of your homeboys that's going to treat you right as a guest artist and, and yeah. that you're comfortable and that you're comfortable with. And uh, right. there's so many different options to do that. And I mean, I think it's exciting when when um you can have so many options and so many different ways to play it. And cause it's an ever changing, oh, yeah. it's an ever changing industry. Right. We're really lucky for that, man. And that's what I would do. I would, I got friends in both places, man. You know, I mean, you could even fly out and do like your winter and, and 
California and then come back to summer in Ohio. I don't know. However you want to do it. But doesn't, I mean, Bob Tyrell does that. He talked about it on episode one of this podcast, man. You know, he talked about right. spending half the year out in L.A. And he spends, the, you know, half the year in Detroit. I and heard, I always heard Corey Flatmo does that, too. Like, he's got a shop here in Cincinnati, but I also heard he works out in California. So he just yeah. does half the year here out there. Yeah. I'm not against it, you know. I don't know. I'm just going to see how that unfolds. Um, but to go along with that, man, you know, I took a – and I don't know how many more questions you have, but I just wanted to say this part. I, I took a trip out to Chile last year. Um, I think this was after our talk. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. But uh, it was a huge eye-opener for me, man. It was it was the most important show I've ever done in my career. Um, it, uh, it opened my eyes to where I wanted to be and, and to the things that I require in my life. You know what I mean? Um, it's the first time going to South America and the first time see, being in a culture that isn't like ran by money. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, I always chased the idea of being a millionaire and having all this like crazy shit you know what i mean and i wanted all that i went down there and met the, the kindest sweetest people that i've met in my whole life man um and they didn't have anything i mean compared to what we have you know what i mean it depends on what you consider having things you know what i mean right these kids like i, w- I had one kid in particular named freddie um that was with me he was kind of like when i flew down there he was hired as like my helper you know what i mean mm-hmm. or he was asked to be my just to get me around, um, JCN was there too, but uh, he he's he's like one of the best people I ever met, man. And the dude doesn't have a car or anything. He literally walks like a mile to work every day, and like, but he's just like happy and thankful as fuck. You know what I mean? And like, in that same trip, I was hanging out with some other people around. Like, we went to this this like real super high end like party that was like in this underground place that like only millionaires go in there and shit you know and I'm like around all these millionaires and listening to them talk and blah 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 and it just really put me in a perspective of where I wanted to be in my life man I decided that I want to walk that middle ground so I want to make enough money to survive and, and not worry and have freedom but I don't want to chase that the million dollar life anymore man I just don't I don't care about it you know what I mean so with that being said about this thing in Ohio thing I like the idea that it's simple here. You know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. I don't have a million dollars to survive and, and do the things I want to do living here. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think if I stepped out and worked in, you know, you know, one place once a month or something, and, you know, if I, if I watch my money, you know, I save my money, man. I'm not a big spender. I, I have some nice toys and such, but I save most of my money. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I think I see, you know, you see I, people. I really like the idea of everything being simplified, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you see people like, um, you know, what I I see like you want to do is set yourself in a place and be able to reach out to these different areas to enhance your business. Um, but be live that simple life in a, in a place that you're comfortable with. And, you know, I also see a lot of people these days, you know, it used to be the, the tattooer model was tattoo and then you own a shop and that's your retirement plan. You know, and these days people are, I mean, it's exploding with product development and shit like that. But I think people are really getting into those things that are going to become products that end up being your retirement plan. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's residual income, you know? Sure. That's that's definitely what, that's what every tattooer is chasing right now. Or they were, I don't know about as much right now, but I 
know a year ago it was like a new product was coming out every fucking day. Right. You know what I mean? Well, I think there's a oh, mad yeah. scramble to kind of figure out if, if it's an idea scramble right now, man. You know, people are going to come out with absolutely. these things and then. People are, people are, yeah, people are inventing shit that don't even like need to be invented and shit. And I mean, just trying <laughs> right. to make that. Sure. Like, and I, I think I we've talked about I've talked about that back, you know, on the podcast uh, before about how, you know, I think we're going to see these products that are being developed. Some of them are going to stick. Some of them are going to you know, not stick. Some of them are going to only stick until the, the industry changes enough to where they don't, aren't needed anymore or, or, or whatever. Right. It's, or people become aware that it's not really like a thing that they need. Right. A exactly. So, um, you know, man, it's, it's, it's exciting. And, um, I think it's, uh, a great perspective, man, that you have on what your, your career and, and your path and, um, man, killer work. And it's just, I'm um, excited to see what this new kind of path, uh, for you, uh, where it's going to take your art and where it's going to take your tattooing, man. It's, it's really fun to, as a tattooer, as an artist, as somebody who is also kind of striving after my own artistic journey, you know, it's fun to watch, uh, and I'm grateful for the ability to watch yours unfold over Instagram, you know? Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Really uh, do. Well, dude, the best of luck to you. You're going to be at the um, uh, the Golden State Convention. Um, are you booked up for that? How can people get a hold of you? And then just give the particulars on on where people can find out more about yeah. your work and what you got going on. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much booked up uh, for. I'm doing a guest spot at Chapter X tattoo uh, a couple of days before with my friend John Caleb, and then I'm going to the show i'm pretty much i think i'm booked up for the whole show i mean i always tell people they're more than welcome to come by and maybe if i'm asking my big tattoo i have time to to do a small tattoo or something then i will um depending on how i feel you know what i mean after that big one um, but you know i'll have books and, and dvds and shirts and the jackets and all that bullshit there too so people come by and check that out and i'm always down to sign people's fucking black books and shit man i always i love still love writing on people's shit so you know Whoever wants to come by and bullshit's more than welcome to. Um, same thing, it's just bigmees.com. My travel schedule's on there and, and, and all that mess. And at bigmees on Instagram. Man, Big Mees, international man this year. Uh, I'm excited to see what unfolds for you, brother. And I appreciate you coming on the show again. And um, uh, best of luck to you, dude. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you for uh, having me on. And thanks to everyone who listens and supports what I do. Well, that's it. Episode 53. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for listening. I hope everyone enjoyed the first episode of season two. Stay tuned for more great episodes. Be sure to check out SullenRadio.com for more info on the show, the Sullen Radio blog, and any updates about my tattooing and hosting schedule. This is Joe Swanson. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Sullen Radio. If you'd like to hire me, please email me, joe at SullenRadio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. I appreciate it. Keep hustling.